Hello and welcome to Your Care, Your Rights, Your Voice. This is Mairead Painter, and I'm here today joined with Lindsay Jessup, one of our regional long-term care ombudsmen here in Connecticut. Today we're going to talk about care planning and why it's so important. This is something that we receive complaints on here in Connecticut and a lot of questions regarding, but this is really something that um, nationally should be the expectation in all long-term care communities. So thank you for joining us today. And Lindsay, if you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Marie. Like Marie said, my name is Lindsay Jessup. I've been a regional ombudsman now for a little over seven years. I've been fortunate enough to cover a few different regions of the state. So that's really given me a glimpse into many of our nursing homes throughout the state. So I've really appreciated that component and I'm just happy to be here and happy to be part of this incredible team that we have here in Connecticut. Yes, we do have, I'm really proud of our team here. We're gonna talk a little bit about care planning and I know you recently did a Facebook Live for us, Lindsay, on care planning and the process. We had a lot of feedback from family members and residents that it was really important information. So that's why we wanted to do it here today. Why don't you talk a little bit about why a care plan is important and what people should be expecting when they're going through that process? A care plan is so important because it is an outline for the care and services that someone who is under the care of a nursing home is going to receive. So it really drives the care that someone's getting. And it is so critically important to have a comprehensive care plan that is person-centered because person-centered care planning is what is going to ensure that someone's needs are met based in line with their own feedback, their preferences, their suggestions, their goals. A care plan should not be something that is formulaic and very similar across the board from one resident to the next. Ideally, a care plan should be person-centered and that meant under federal law. If you look Lindsay, at- Lindsay, what what, explain what person-centered means. Like when you're saying it should be person-centered, what should that feel like or what should that expectation be? So person-centered means that it's individualized to the person. Looking at the person as a whole, their needs across the board, their medical needs, their psychosocial needs, their socioeconomic needs, perhaps, cultural needs, beliefs, all of the things that make someone whole and feel whole should be included in a person-centered care plan. So, and the other piece to person-centered is that it needs to, and it at all times should include the person. They should Mm. be the, is self-directing their care and their care plan to the extent possible. So that is really person-centered, individualized, and including the person in this process. You know, one of the things that we talk about, I heard you mention goals. And so I think that often individuals, when they go into a nursing home, they're waiting for the team, the care team, to tell them what to do. When we really encourage people to think about what is your daily routine? How did you live your best day at home? What did that look like? And how do you communicate that to the long-term care community so that they can include that in the plan of care. Cause that's really essential. What time you get up? I like my coffee when I get up. That's something that I think would be in someone's plan of care or on their care card for the CNA to know, you know, I don't want to get dressed first. I want my cup of coffee. I want it hot and I want to watch the news. And then I'm going to start my day because we often see that when 
those things don't happen in the same way, it can be disjointing, kind of kick off the day in an unpleasant way for the individual. Absolutely. And you touched on making sure that the staff are aware of that. And that's a really important piece too, because if someone is, like you said, likes to lay in in the morning and have breakfast, read their paper, drink their coffee, do their crossword puzzle, whatever that is for that person, and then get ready for the day. And for them, their day doesn't start till noon. It's important for staff to be aware of that because you, what you don't want to see happen is for the nursing home staff, and, and they're great. They're, we have great staff who work in our n- nursing homes for the most part, but you don't want to see them start to write things down that someone's refusing care or not willing to, to participate in rehab, um, even though rehab's coming in at eight in the morning and the person hasn't had a bite to eat. So you really want to make sure that all staff across all disciplines in the home are aware of someone's care plan and preferences so that there isn't that kind of opportunity for someone to maybe perceive it a different way. You always want staff to be looking at the person through that person's eyes and day and and through their care plan and and being aware of that person's care plan and, and what's written is just as important for the person as it is for the staff. You brought up some good points, having their best day, knowing the timing for rehab, for meals, and the word refused. I hate seeing the word refused. Mm -hmm. If I choose to do something else in my day at home, it's a choice that I make. But if someone does that in a long-term care community, it often says refused. They refuse their meds, not- And I hear decline a lot too. And I'm not a fan of that word anymore as well. uh, They've declined. Declined. It's very similar to- refused. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it should just be like, didn't feel like doing it. I wish we could use right. just- Chose to take it later, like, right? We all yeah. have choice. Exactly. That's a better way to say chose. Yeah. All right. So when someone's going to attend a care plan meeting, you get a notice, right? In the mail, if you're a family member, if you're a resident, they usually give you a piece of paper that says, here's your care plan. Here's the date and time. And it's like 15 minutes. And you know that you have a list of stuff that you want to cover that you want to talk about. Um, what should someone do if they get that date and time and either it doesn't work for them or they don't feel they're going to have the time that they need to address the concerns they have? I would be contacting your care planning team at the nursing home and hopefully they've given you notice well in advance. Most times, at, you know, if someone's been at the nursing home for a period of time, they become quarterly care plan meetings. So the nursing home knows when someone is going to be in need of a, you know, a care planning meeting. If you have that advance notice, reaching out to the nursing home and saying, you know, I, I got, I recognize that we only have 15 minutes typically, but I have a lot of concerns and questions this time. Is it possible to one, make this meeting longer or two, reschedule it to a day where I will have ample time to have all of my questions answered? The other suggestion that I have is, you know, after it's been rescheduled, writing down your questions and concerns prior to the, the meeting so that you have a mm-hmm. have a flowchart of the things you want to talk about and also asking for any documentation that you'd like to review prior to the care plan. Because a lot of times, and, and as ombudsman, we go to a lot of care planning meetings with residents and families. And you'll hear, oh, well, we don't have that yet, or we don't have the chart, or we'll get that to you. And then the person is waiting for a long period of time after that 
for this information that they said they would be given. So asking for anything prior to and having time to review it and basing your questions off the documentation you receive is a, you know, a great opportunity to make sure that when you do have a kind of finite amount of time that you're hitting every topic that you want to discuss. For people who have been in the homes more than a month or two, there should be a care plan already in place. And so asking for a copy of that ahead of time so you can review what is the current care plan and anything you think that you can address, anything you think is missing, um, ask for things to be added, but to have a copy of that ahead of time, as well as something called the MDS, the minimum data set, is something that's completed by the nursing home every 45 days, no, every 90 days, I'm going on the wrong, wrong timeline here, every 90 days, and they use that to develop the plan of care. And sometimes it's helpful to see that. So you can ask for a copy of that as well. I do want to caution people that if you're asking for copies, they can charge you for copies unless it's an individual who is on um, Medicaid. If you're on Medicaid, you can ask for copies and ask them to waive that. And they should, they should not be charging you. If you're a family member that is a conservator or a power of attorney, you can ask for the records in the person's name. So you ask for it as the person and then write power of attorney for conservator for, and then they should not be charging you either. So just some things to keep in mind. And, and because we live in a day and age of technology, perhaps they can scan it electronically and it's not as onious of a task to uh, get that information over to you and it's an easier way to, to send it and receive it. So that might be an option too if they're really digging their heels in with the price per cup. You bring up another good point there about um, today's day and age that if there's family out of state or someone's working, unable to participate in person, you know, really residents should be at the care plan meeting, it should accommodate their schedule, their time. It can even be in their room if they're not comfortable going down to the lounge or a meeting room. So it should always accommodate the resident, but for family members and friends that and actually any person the resident wants to have participate in the plan of care should be invited. And there should be accommodations, just like you and I are doing here um, through Zoom. There's plenty of ways and um, new technology out there that every nursing home now has, and they also have iPads from the Department of Public Health that were given out during um, the pandemic. So they should be able to use those to support individuals having anyone who wants to participate, participate in their plans of care. I'm just wondering if there's anything else, Lindsay, you think needs to be addressed um, or covered as part of the plan of care, what you'd want people to know and how to get the most out of their care plan meeting. I think for those individuals who have come into their nursing home, um, perhaps the stay is going to be short term. So just so you're aware, a baseline care plan is devised within 48 hours of admission. They can opt to do a comprehensive care plan at that point as well. So sometimes you may want to suggest a more comprehensive care plan upfront rather than that baseline. But again, the focus on goals, the focus on discharge planning, if mm. you plan is considered to be short term. So making sure that those goals are included in the care plan. And just again, um, I would say following up. So in the meeting, if there are things that kind of were left up in the air, you ask the nursing home, when can I expect to have an answer on this question? 
and again, requesting any documentation and having a kind of little um, sheet where everyone was in agreement of this is what the plan was going to be. And this is what, you know, the timeline is. So having that in place too. You brought up a good point there about discharge planning. And I don't think people understand that discharge planning should start from the time the person enters um, the nursing home or the long-term care community and should be addressed every quarter for their entire stay, whether they are short-term or long-term. It is still something on the plan of care that should be addressed and identified as a goal for someone if that is their goal. I also want to tell people that as part of the requirements federally, any nursing home should be asking the person, not the conservator, not the power of attorney, but the person every 90 days, if they would like to be considered for a less restrictive setting, I said that wrong, less restrictive setting. What that means is that they should be telling them, talking with them, talking with anyone um, who's involved in the case with, or not the case, sorry, with the um, resident. What is that? They should be talking with anyone that the resident identifies as um, a partner in their care as to what those goals are and asking the resident if their goals change, right? Our goals change all of the time and we allow ourselves to make different decisions. Just because someone has chosen for a period of time to be in a nursing home or a long-term care setting doesn't mean that they have to stay there forever. They can make a change, they can decide to do something different, but they can't do that unless they know all of their options. So I think it's really important to know what your insurance covers. We have, at least here in Connecticut, and I know other states are doing it too, we have a lot of other options now related to long-term services and supports. And unless you know what those options are and what you qualify for, it's hard to make that decision. And just because you had those options explained to you a year ago, I know here in Connecticut, we have things available now that were not available a year ago. So that's why it's really important once a year to be assessed Um, for other options, if that is your goal or the individual's goal. Great points, Marith, and thank you for bringing that up. And again, remember that the care plan is a working document. There's nothing that says it can't be changed or your preferences can't be updated. And please don't ever feel like you have to wait 45 days to have an amendment to your care plan. If you have a concern or an issue, please bring it up. Ask to have a care plan meeting. Again, just because they, the nursing home is held to certain regulations as to when care planning needs to take place, a, a nursing home who's responsive and who wants to ensure the best quality of care and experience for a person is going to be open to having care planning meetings whenever a person may feel they need it or a family. So please always you know, request that it's time to have a, a little regroup. And whether it's called a care planning meeting or just a meeting to discuss. Um, It it really makes no difference, but those changes to the care plan can make a big difference. So making sure that you know you can ask for certain um, suggestions and recommendations and for preferences to be updated in that working live document. And if we didn't say it already, request a copy of your care plan. You are able to have that. um, And sometimes that's a good a good document to have because then you can read what the staff are reading. And if there's any changes you feel need to be made, you can highlight those. Absolutely. And asking, um, was that updated on my care plan and on the care card for the CNA, if you're addressing something? Um, Here in Connecticut, we 
passed a law this session related to essential caregivers. So I also want to highlight, if you are in a Connecticut nursing home, please make sure that when you're having your care plan meeting, you identify the two people that you would like as your essential caregivers. Um, it is required that they are able to follow whatever the public emergency directives are. So currently that would be masking, things like that. So whatever that directive is moving forward, it would be required that they're able to um, adhere to those provisions, but that they would be able to have access to individuals during a time of public emergency. So really important that even now that people are starting to do that. This law went into effect at the end of June, and there's a policy that will be moving forward shortly, but we're really encouraging people as part of your plan of care to identify those two people that it is important for you to have access to on a daily basis. And to Lindsay's point of the, the timing that yes, care plans are traditionally done every quarter with an annual care plan, sort of the larger one once a year. However, if the resident has a fall, if you have um, a weight loss, if you're experiencing a significant change in condition, and there's certain things that qualify for that, you will hear from the long-term care community, the nursing home that says, hey, we need to have a change of condition plan of care. Someone was hospitalized for something. Every time there's a significant change or a fall or a concern, there should be a meaningful intervention put in place to help support the individual and better meet those goals, like not falling, for instance. Um, and we know that some people, once they start to fall, they are much more likely to fall. Um, restraints, we should not be using restraints, restraining people in um, nursing homes that many times we see other injuries from the use of restraints. Um, they can use things for positioning, but that they should be communicating that with the person and the individuals on their care team. Um, and also medications. You should be getting updated anytime there's a change to your medications. And also the individuals that you have um, as responsible parties or want updated should be updated anytime there's a change in medications. And before it's changed, they should be speaking to you about it, letting you know what the change is and asking if it's okay. If you have questions or concerns about the medication recommendation, you should be asking to speak to the physician about that. If you're not comfortable with what they're recommending, you can say, no, thank you, and ask for alternatives. I think it's really important to know that you don't just have to accept what they're saying. Um, I would encourage you to have faith in your medical practitioners. Hopefully, the person that is prescribing medication and treating you is someone that you have a relationship with and trust. Um, and you're talking with that person about their recommendations. They should be giving you their best medical professional advice. But again, you have the right to say, no, thank you, or I'd like an alternative. I'd like to try something else first. And I will say for some medications, just being aware that the first 30 to 40 days, you can see effects that will change over time. Sometimes you see someone being extra tired or you see someone who it's more challenging for them to get the words out. And it can be an effect of the medication, but it takes a while for their body to adjust to the new medication. But those are things that the nursing home um, care team and your physician or your um, medical practitioners should be discussing with you beforehand as to what to expect and talking to you throughout the process to see how that's going. 
Again, yeah. And I think that's a, just to add to that, Marath, when you were talking about the change of condition and a change in medication and how that might um, affect someone, those changes, the, the more changes that get noted and reported, the more likely, if it is a significant change, the more likely it's going to prompt a care planning meeting. So it's important to reinforce to staff who treat someone every day or and care for, not even treat, but care for, know that person and know when someone is not acting like themselves that day. And now it's gone into a second day and a third day. And someone really needs to be monitoring this because this could be a change that is perhaps going to, you know, roll into something much more um, precarious. So making sure that your direct care staff, even though they might not be considered clinical, are noting your changes. And we should we should encourage that among our CNA direct line staff and, and those who are not licensed because they have just as much of as much of a relationship with the person as some of those more clinical people. So making sure people feel okay with saying, hey, so-and-so isn't acting like themselves. Are you aware of it? So that if there is something going on, it can be noted. And perhaps that would lead to some intervention and a, perhaps a, you know, a, a care planning kind of regroup. Absolutely. And I'll tell you from when I worked in um, a nursing home, housekeeping, laundry, and CNAs know the residents. They have relationships with them. They support them day to day. They spend probably more time with them than any other team member in the nursing home. So when they even someone will say, well, they're a housekeeper. I'm sorry, housekeepers. No, they they interact with the residents. They speak with them. And the CNA, CNAs know their residents. They know when something's off. And so I really hope that members that are more clinical on the care team respect that and take that into consideration. And there should always be a CNA at the care plan meeting, right? Because they're the person Mm -hmm. providing that care. And we would expect, or I would expect that they're updating their care card. They bring it to the care plan meeting and they're updating it right there. They have their pencil, their eraser, and they're making changes to that care card. I'm probably dating myself Mm -hmm. because it's probably done electronically and not with pencil (laughs) and paper anymore, but that it's updated at that time in that way. I think that that's extremely important and to know those signs and symptoms and that's how you stay ahead of things, right? And then if the person has questions and it's medication related and it's identified, they can be supported through that. And even with the comprehensive assessment that needs to get done when someone, um, and and there's routine assessments as well, but certainly when someone first enters the, the nursing home, that assessment, must must include participation by non-licensed staff as well across all shifts. So it's really an opportunity for everyone to kind of add feedback as to how things may be going. Well, gosh, a lot of information. Talk um, about this forever, right? I know. We could go around. And sometimes we do. We have some mornings where the team, we go round and round on cases and um, things that are coming up. And, you know, when we get a complaint, I think it's important to look at it from all angles um, and to understand where the person's coming from, what is the care plan need, what is the nursing home saying, and really trying to get the resolution that the individual is looking for in that. So I want to thank you so much, Lindsay, for participating with me today and reviewing what Thanks you for having me. did on the Facebook Live. So thank you. And thank all of you for joining me today. Again, this is Your Care, Your Rights, Your Voice. I'm Maraid Painter, and please continue to join me for my podcast wherever you listen. Thank you.